0: where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matske convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget your machete as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis.
1: Oh. uh, you fooled with your thing can you give me a test on that
2: check one two Hello. hello hello check 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 one two check
1: one two i'm gonna turn all these down jeez what did he do uh turn that one down turn that one down uh, this is Monsteropolis, uh, a show about uh, monsters, anomalies, and legends. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined by my pal, Mark Matsky. Greetings in person. Yeah, I live mean, live and th- direct. This is truly a, a, a night to rem- a day to remember. Uh, Mark is back in the office. It's already getting hot in here, and I just turned the air conditioner yeah. off. Um, Aren't you glad you came? Good times, <laughs> yeah. as always. Uh, so yeah, this is Mark's first time back in the office in f- right around four months, right? Yeah. Three, like three and a half, maybe. Right. I mean, since March. I think it was at like the end of February. Mm-hmm. Because we, I think it was before the Kickstarter closed. Like the, the week the Kickstarter oh, closed, okay. maybe even. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe even possible it was then. Either way, it was like right around when the Kickstarter closed, which was March 6th. And then that next weekend is when everything went into Mm -hmm. lockdown mode. And that was the last time we were here. So it's now late June. So at least three and a half months. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. Which I told Adrian, I think this is the longest you and I have gone without seeing each other (laughs) since probably like the SAS, very early like what days. Yeah. It's just so, I don't know. I can't even
2: describe. It's like we time jumped to now, fortunately, and those weird. Four months or whatever are water under the bridge. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs>
1: let's hope. Um we don't have a plan for this show, and uh, and it, it's just it's just kind of nice to be able to record together. And then also we have the big trip that we're planning for. So this episode is going to be more of Mark and I talking about our hopes and dreams. Yes, uh, for the trip to come, um, and then uh, just p- probably talking about some some things we've been. Up to, Uh, I've been doing a lot of reading. So I don't know if we want to talk about more more about like Monsters of the Northwoods. I I jumped out of Shadows in the Woods to jump into Monsters of the Northwoods because I can't, I've been looking for this book for like years, for five years. And looking for it because I did not want to spend ninety dollars on it, and then right. I just got to the point where I was like, "I'm just going to spend ninety dollars." Need on it. it, yeah. That screaming you just heard was my wife, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere listening to this Full episode. disclosure. Yeah, just finding out that I spent that much on a book. Um, but yeah, the the um, what do we want to do here? How have you been?
2: i uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I it's been um, you know well. If you listen to last week's episode, we had a really great time, Andy and I did, on Chestnut Ridge. So that was good. And um, historically interesting. There's stuff that we want to go back and see, like Fort Ligonier. That was all closed. And evidently, there's stuff there like George Washington's pistols that he gave to a family friend. And through this roundabout way, Fort Ligonier bid, like their foundation bid millions of dollars to purchase George Washington's pistols just to display there at the museum. Mm-hmm. So it's stuff like that that we'd like to go back for and, of course, hike more and go to more Chestnut Ridge hotspots and uh, eat at Sarnelli's, which I don't know if you've done this, but it's just south of Don Agle off of 77. Mm-mm. It's this mom and pop Italian oh deli yeah and they have a different hot sandwich every day so you go in you look on the um the black and white you know the chalkboard and they've written a couple options for their hot sandwich of the day for six dollars and it's this gigantic sandwich that's packed full you'd love it yeah so good so that part's been good um working on our ape canyon project has been a lot of fun we're well into that like over two-thirds of the way done with a working script and i'm doing the editing on on legacy was fun Mm -hmm. and watching the various rough cuts and giving feedback on that every bit of that has been such a welcome um diversion yeah like get my mind into a another place completely
1: yeah why is that just cuz of like just cuz of the virus stuff you're dealing with or other Not, like pastoral well, stuff Yeah,
2: pastoral stuff mostly yeah. in trying to navigate all the changes brought about by the the virus oh, itself. Yeah. Yeah. And just um the sheer amount of quote unquote suggestions that are are brought to me on mm-hmm. a daily basis is enough for me to want to Run screaming into the woods, which fortunately we're going to be doing
1: in a couple days. Probably doing some (laughs) screaming too. (laughs) Yeah. Um the uh maybe we should just take next week off or even try to post. I'll have my laptop. We can try to post it and on so so maybe we'll talk about legacy some on this show and then next week we can do more like on location kind of stuff. But um uh where was I going? What was I about to talk about? Something really interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Um, This trip is has been for me like almost unlike any in terms of prep, unlike anything I've done since Beast of Whitehall. Fittingly, where I got so into the story that I've been doing as much research as I've been doing ahead of it, um, just to kind of like prep myself. Which is weird because the other thing about this is we're not editing this for a long time. Like this is one of those things. The way our schedule works, which, you know, this, but listeners don't, we make like stuff gets filmed well in advance of when it's released. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it tends to be on, on the trail of projects that are being filmed way in advance and then edited. And it's kind of because the, the way that works is like, whenever I have free time, we kind of work on the, on the trail of stuff. So, um, well, yeah it's of necessity, right? I mean it's people's schedules. Yeah, that's the other thing is we're kind having of to like, work around that. Yeah, and so so just to mention this on the show, we've in sort of indefinitely delayed on the trail of the Lake Michigan Mothman. Uh, there's a multitude of factors, but like I guess the biggest is probably the the um, the stuff going on in Illinois still, they're very much locked down. So we can't get in there. And our problem is we only had a couple windows to do on the trail of the Lake Michigan Mothman and yeah. get it released this year. And the two windows that have opened are closed. Now uh, the first was going to be immediately after we finished uh, editing on the trail of UFOs. Uh, we were going to go film it and release it. It would, it would have actually been released by now if, if the original schedule had played out. Mm. Um, but that's already passed. And then the other was going to be immediately following the, the, the post-production of Mothman legacy, which were there. Um, and w- we just can't get there. Re- I guess the, b- that's my stomach growling. Um, <laughs> one of the big things is like, you can't, it's very difficult right now to get, normal people to want to come on camera. Um, And I know that just from dealing with like witnesses and stuff, it's just a little more difficult than it normally would be. So part, part of this is also down to that. So anyway, we, we are filming this Bigfoot project, at least in part, because there just was, there was a window here where we can get something done right before we go shoot bell. And also just because of all of our events getting canceled and some, some, Periods of time passing that would have been filming time, like really ideally we, we would have shot *Bell Witch* already. Um, we ha- we have to condense. Everything into like this three or four month window now, where all of the remainder of this year's projects, which at this point is just the Mark of the Bell Witch, and next year's projects are going to get filmed over the next few months. So, what that means is on the Trail of Bigfoot, The Journey, another unannounced on the Trail of Bigfoot project, because my plan is to release two of those per year. Um, those both have to get shot, and then we have the Mark of the Bell Witch, and then we are going to go forward with on the trail of UFO season two. Although right now I'm looking more at filming that very, 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 very early next year, like January of 2021. Cause I kind of like the idea of the first season being very desert oriented and like yeah. warmer climates. And all of a sudden you just open this out and we're like in Eskimo gear somewhere. So <laughs> I think, I think that's kind of like the plan for season two. Um, the Yukon. Yeah, it's gonna. It's entirely based in the Yukon. Nice. Yeah, and in Antarctica, which I still can't <laughs> say apparently. Um, so yeah, we have we're we gonna have, find the wall <laughs> of Antarctica.
2: This is ridiculous. I'm starving. Um, it's coinciding with
1: the bells of Wadsworth it is. too, which is yeah. Th- is kind it nice to be back <laughs> with <laughs> with the bells outside? Um, so yeah, we we have a lot to do, um, but I'm not really that in no way is a complaint because I mean, really one of the focus, one of the, the probably the theme of on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey is going to be about that. You know, like art we've talked about on the show now numerous times, but Mm -hmm. like wanting to be out in nature. Oh, and the other thing I didn't, I haven't even told you this. I am going to be on vacation next month. And while on vacation, I'm going to interview our old pal, David Floyd. Oh, cool. So I can have him involved in at least the next two on the trail of great projects. Oh, that's awesome. I do like trying to get David involved in this stuff. Cause he has a cool insight into what we're doing, mm-hmm. but yeah, I haven't done anything like you guys did the chestnut Ridge and I already talked about my little trip and that was it. I haven't mm-hmm. done any sort of, uh, I guess I did get to go back. Oh, this is something we have to talk about. I did get to go back to the rogues hollow. Oh, um, right. and we, Uh, So, so for listeners who want to visit rogues hollow, this is really important. The only time their museum is open is Sunday from two o'clock to four o'clock. So for two hours on one day a week from June to September, and then it closes again. Um, That is the only window of opportunity for you to go there. Now, if you can go there between those hours, They have the book in stock. So I was able to buy the rogues hollow legends and what is it history and legends or whatever book. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a, it's a cool book too. It's like, it's a good size book. I didn't realize it's like a lot bigger than the first printing. Mm. So it's, it's a big book. It's got pictures and all kinds of stuff in it. So I was really psyched about that. They also gave me a history of Doylestown books since Doyle's towns right there as Mm -hmm. well. Um, which I'm excited to look through. Uh, And then the other thing they gave me that pertains to our listeners, and we need to come up with some way to integrate this into the show. Mm -hmm. Um, They gave us three hats. So we've got these rogues hollow baseball caps um, that we want to do a giveaway for on the show. I'm not sure how we want to do this. Do you have any thoughts on this? No, I don't know. Like we need, We need to do is it needs to be like a trivia, like some sort of trivia thing. And then people can answer like we could ask three questions and have three listeners, you know, whoever out of all the people that respond to these questions, Mm -hmm. uh, we could pick names or we could just give three or one question. And I don't know. I'm just trying to think of some fun way to do this giveaway. But we've got these hats. So we're going to do some sort of giveaway, maybe on the show, when we get back from Bigfoot, um, we'll have we'll have this figured out. You're gonna want these hats because they're like collector's items. They're they pretty, are. They're, they're they're pretty tight. Yeah. Um, I Do did they have shirts too. Did I see? So and they advertise shirts, but I didn't see any okay. in the in the thing. So I didn't see shirts, but they say they have them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the there was a man there who we want to have on the show, David, who was talking to me about the spook lights. Um, and he claims as a kid, he's seen them and he says they follow the Creek. Hmm. Um, he says he believes it's methane gas coming out of the mines that somehow creates this phenomenon. Wow. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but he says, is he a worker there or was he just there? So Yeah. He's the one that took my, he took my money. So I think he works there. (laughs) Um, but yeah, he's, uh, super interesting like he he also says those lights are responsible for the ghost the ghost train legend mm. so whatever they are he is he says those are very commonly um you know people commonly recount sighting these lights mm-hmm. in the woods there um so that's just part of he said everyone around there knows about them they talk about them they've seen them i don't know why they don't have photos of them but um you know like he he told me uh Hu- this is the other thing is like humidity is a big plays a big part. Okay. You really want like hot humid conditions mm-hmm. to really see them. So I'm planning well, now's on the time. Then. Yeah. I'm planning on going back there some night and just hanging out and see if, seeing if I can yeah. spot anything. I'll probably take Adam there sometime when he comes up. You to might visit. see the devil. So yeah, you might out. see the devil, the headless horse. <laughs> um, But I'm, I'm looking forward to, he, he gave me his phone number and uh, my plan is to try to get him up here so we can get him on the show to kind of give us some, that would be really some cool insider knowledge about mm-hmm. rogues hollow. Um, but yeah, we haven't talked much about, we've talked about some of the filming trips. But we haven't talked much about the Mothman legacy on the show. And since we have recently announced that, uh, the Mothman legacy is coming sometime for, for a general audience, for people who want to watch the movie, it's coming out hopefully sometime in October around Halloween. Um, that is not a guarantee and it is no longer in my hands to control when it comes out, which is a weird feeling for me to not, to not be able to make those decisions, but we did sign a distribution deal with 1091, So, um, so we're not sure yet when it's coming out, but for Kickstarter backers, it will be to Kickstarter backers on DVD or Blu-ray by September 21st. So just another reason to back Kickstarter campaigns in the future. Apparently now, um, the plan is going to be even if we are doing distribution deals uh going forward that kickstarter backers will continue to get their copies whenever we initially announce or you know if we can do this going forward we might announce an earlier date every time on purpose just so there's further incentive to back Mm -hmm. but um yeah kickstarter backers will get all the rewards and copies of the movie by September 21st. Everyone else is going to be waiting till around Halloween or later. I'm not I'm just not sure. Um having said that, we do know now because of the 1091 deal which we've mentioned on the show um during the month of July all of our previous 3 years worth of stuff will be coming out through 1091. Um The way it's working is on the 7th, the 14th, and the 21st, they're releasing two titles each of those days. So on the 7th, they're putting out, I'm going to blank. Oh, Momo and the Flatwoods Monster. Okay, Uh, That's also the day that On the Trail of UFOs comes out on the Unidentified channel, which is a a channel that, uh, honestly, it'd be easy to bag on this if I was, even if I wasn't, or I guess more so if I wasn't, you know, like in business with 1091, I would probably be making fun of this channel. But after looking at their, the titles they're releasing, they're including like the Skinwalker Ranch documentary, the Bob Lazar documentary, Mm -hmm. uh, the Steve Greer nonsense, uh, stuff, the, (laughs) the the all sorts of titles. Yeah. All sorts of titles, um, that will be on this unidentified channel. And it's a free channel that you can get on like four different streaming apps uh, including distro is one of them i can't remember but they're they're on most major smart tvs and like fire sticks and all that because um i have two of the apps on my it's similar to like roku tv i guess it's like what you're talking about there's a channel it's free it's called the unidentified channel the entire eight episode on the trail of ufos is going to play on it um so on the seventh on the trail of ufos momo flatwoods on the 14th on the Trail of Bigfoot, The Legend, and I want to say The Bray Road Beast. I think those okay. are the two. And then on the 21st, Terror in the Skies, and on the Trail of Bigfoot, The Search. Mm-hmm. And I think that does it. That's, that's all All seven. Um, those are being re-released, other than on the Trail of VFOs, they're being released on PVOD platforms. So you have to pay for those titles on on the platforms they're being released on they're coming down off of free prime so you won't be able to watch them free on on amazon prime subscription um eventually they will make their way back to avod platforms and the free you know subscription based stuff as well but starting out uh they're going to be pvod the good the good thing is that they're going to be on tons of platforms they've never been on. So like iTunes, Google play and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so that's exciting, but it's also, it is weird because we, we have no control over this anymore. Mm -hmm. So if I've already been getting complaints from people that they're coming down off the free Amazon prime, I mean, I don't really know what to say other than you could have supported them. Um, probably a little better than than they were earlier on. And maybe we wouldn't be in a situation where we had to sign a distribution deal, which is something I've never wanted to do human nature. Yeah. I mean, like I totally get it. Um, But I'm just saying like, this is uh, the nature of what we do is also like what is led to this situation. You know, like you're up against the wall that is Amazon and their constant screwing over of creators, which we've also talked about Mm -hmm. on the show. Yeah. But if you do not want to pay for them or you can't, you don't have the money to pay for them. I totally get it. They will eventually be on the free platforms, but I have no way of knowing when. Um, and also that doesn't include, so on the trailer, UFOs will stay free on prime. It's just been up on prime. Uh, we are over 2 million views, which is pretty crazy. Um, uh, uh, Mo- the Mothman of Point Pleasant invasion on Chestnut Ridge. um Jeez, every, I mean, Boggy Creek Monster, Minerva Monster, Beast of Whitehall, those all remain in our control. So we can do whatever we want with those titles. So don't worry about, it's not every single STM title. It's just more of the last three years that we're mm-hmm. starting to roll out on other platforms. So anyway, um, The Mothman Legacy, what do we want to, how do we even talk about this? This is a movie <laughs> that we're putting out. Um, I guess like what I'm interested to hear since we're together is because Mark's been watching the rough cuts and it should be stated. He's watching it even now, even though it's only what five weeks away from needing to turn it over. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still in a rough state, which is normal. That's business as usual for us. It'll be in a rough state until the week before we -hmm. turn it over. It's that's how crazy we work like right up to the deadline usually. Um, But you've watched the movie. So what are you putting you on the spot? What do you think of it?
2: I think that it is. Well, the first thing I'll say is, just to be completely candid, when there was a talk of another Mothman
0: mm-hmm.
2: movie, my my thoughts around that could probably be summed up is in saying, Shameless "Is this necessary?" cash grab. Well, yeah. I mean, is it, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: How necessary is this? And having watched it now, I, I see that it pro- it was necessary to continue the story because. Mothman at Point Pleasant is, for the most part, very self-contained in telling you, 66 and 67, establishing the timeline right up to the Silver Bridge, the immediate fallout of that, but that was about it. And mm-hmm. of course, and, and mentioning John Keel, but not really digging into what Keel was all about and kind of what his worldview was and how that developed and... So all of that is gone into in, in far more detail in legacy, as well as some very level-headed speculation about what could the Mothman have actually been.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And pushing that forward, you know, did sightings of such a thing begin in 66, 67, or were they happening before that? And did they carry on afterwards? And that it answers those questions as well. So, And the style is different. I think that from a stylistic standpoint, there is a, a difference in approach than even just Mothman and Point Pleasant that I think is is good. It sets the two films apart. So yeah. I like it a lot. I think it's very thoughtful. It's very psychological. The fact that uh, Richard Haddam is yeah. included was really huge and really important because to me, he's one of a couple personalities in this that really anchor it and 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 give you the reason why this uh, this movie was necessary and needed to be told so it's so cool to have his perspective which if you're not sure who had him is he is the screenwriter for um uh mothman prophecies the feature film uh, and his story is so cool to see how he how almost literally the story fell into his hands and mm-hmm. he decided to do something with that and his approach. And I guess that what I see, there are some parallels there in his approach and small town monsters approach mm. to such stories. And that's sort of the harmony that I like about this particular one.
1: Mm. yeah, I um the it's interesting. I'm trying stylistically, from an editing standpoint to to stay fairly similar to what i think i was doing with the mothman of point pleasant but the one thing i i want to point out is i haven't watched i didn't go back and rewatch the mothman of point pleasant when we were making it because i was i was worried it would like inform too too many decisions and i really wanted to the, the the biggest thing for me is that we don't just ad nauseum repeat information over and over but at the same time you have to for a newer audience so you've got to set up some of the things you've got to at least discuss the scarberries and the mallet sighting right. and like some of the key points like this, the silver bridge. And you've watched multiple cuts. Initially there were, there was way, way more silver bridge mm-hmm. than there is now on the, on the later cuts. We've actually pulled, pulled back on some of the silver bridge recap stuff. Um, but Haddam is a highlight. I think my favorites are, are not favorites, but I think Haddam is a big part of it and i think uh susan shepherd who just just for her interview for me was like a a favorite i really like susan and her just her presence i gave her the last line in the movie too which i think the greatest thing about that last line is it just comes full circle with not with jeff and ashley they've got their own full circle thing but it comes full circle with the history of the area and, and i hope like one of my big concerns is always like, have we put too much local history in the movie? Is it going to bore people that are here for the monster stories? And I feel like this time around the local history is so important to the themes, the movies dealing with, even though it's not tied into monsters, it's very tied into like storytelling and why stories might be passed on the way they are in that area, which again speaks to the way Ashley and Jeff's story is is rounded out. I, it's hard to talk about it because I don't want to like right. give everything away. But right. um, but yeah, it's interesting. You said that in text the other day too, about the the similarities between the Mothman prophecies. And that was conscious during the Mothman at Point Pleasant. Mm-hmm. I was like, I shot a lot of like out of focus shots of the river. I yeah. was trying to make it look like I <laughs> yeah. didn't do any of that. <laughs> and then you told me like there's, and yeah. I was like, well, I, did I do something? I did not consciously realize I was doing. So I'm interested. Yeah. And I think when when I say that, I mean, less visually and
2: more thematically. Okay. More of the, um, the ambiguities of the two, I think, are what line up to me the most. And also, I mean, we've talked a lot about the style, you know, about the visual style and how it contrasts with other films, even films like Terror, for example. Mm. And I think a lot of it. This, the style of this movie really mirrors the subject matter, which yes, is Mothman stories, Mm -hmm. but it's also Appalachia Mm -hmm. and Appalachia and its culture is not fast cuts. It's not flash. Yeah. There, there's something else to it. And it's, it's the rivers, it's the mountains. It's like just the sense of permanence. And I think that that also is just reflected in what you see. I mean, on screen, it's the beauty of the land and It just has a different pace.
1: So what's funny about you saying this is like, this has been the thing I'm wrestling with is basically now since Bray, that quicker pacing has been behind pretty much everything we've done with the exception of on the trail of Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. I very purposely didn't use that at all. And on the trail of Bigfoot, but um, this has been really tough to edit and I can't tell if it's because the story has been difficult to put together or because I'm coming off of on the trail of UFOs where, where I've never had to insert so many cuts into something in my life. Yeah. And um, I've had to stop myself multiple times while making this from just inserting mm-hmm. things that I normally would have. I think there's a few times here and there where I'm doing it here, but it's more to, style, style, style-wise refl- reflect what someone's talking about. Mm-hmm. But I haven't done it at all in the recreations. I really wanted the recreations to have this like cinematic style that we've never had. Mm-hmm. Maybe something like Invasion on Chestnut Ridge, or I guess even like, no, I mean, no, you see the difference between this and anything else is I'm not trying to emulate anything. So mm-hmm. I'm not trying to f- emulate a film style from a specific era that is going to show up on screen. I'm literally being like, <clears throat> I go, I go into the scenes with a, a shot list that t- to me will make the scenes like stand on their own, but also almost feel like a, um, an anthology, like, like pieces of an anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, so each scene is supposed to have its own maybe like technique or something to mm-hmm. it. That'll make it stand apart. It's so like the one I shot, just to, this is how insane we shoot, by the way. Well, last <laughs> night I shot the the um, Jack Patrick um, scene, which listeners will learn about when they watch the movie. But he mentioned in that about <clears throat> how he was pushing his bike, how he's pushing his bike. And then he sees something in an abandoned building. And for some reason, it stuck with me, the pushing the bike. And I was thinking about like the wheel turning. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'd like everything in that scene to be like turning. It's so, like every shot I wanted to rotate. Um, so I shot it last night, and that's how, like, my approach to it. I'll show you when we're done, mm-hmm. but like, <clears throat> my approach to it was to take every single one of those shots and rotate them as we were filming it. Um, it helps throw it, helps you in a way, like, <clears throat> maybe like envision what he would have been thinking, how your world is kind of getting turned mm-hmm. a bit. Um, <clears throat> can't clear my throat right now, but we've done, we've done that before in other movies too. But anyway, like the point is like, I don't think I've, we've ever, I mean, I'm struggling to think of a movie, m- maybe Bray, I guess. Yeah. Bray. Right. Cause we weren't, I don't think with Bray, we were necessarily trying to emulate a film period with the, with a few of those recreations. Um, yeah. No, no, I think we were just shooting them straight forward. Right. So that's about as close as we've gotten. But with that, I was, we were so limited And what we could do because of, we had a black leotard. (laughs) We had a chest piece and a $5 werewolf mask. So you had to, everything had to be real vague. And I'm still vague with this, but you're, because of having Santino Vitale involved, it opens up what you can achieve visually. So like I had that shot that people will see for the first time in the new trailer that's coming out. There's a new cut of, it's the same trailer. It's just, there's a few additional effect shots added little goodies and yeah Um, you'll you'll see a shot of a girl like opening her window and she sees the 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 mothman like flies by her window i i i shot it very very much like i would have something like bray or invasion where Mm -hmm. i'm like All right, and I need to hide the window because, like, we're going to have this here. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, man, like, this was in the moment as I was filming it with her. And I I was like, I'm going to shoot a much more complicated version of the shot and see if Santino can do it. So I shot it at 120 because I thought how neat it would be to have that scene play in slow-mo. And then I sent him both versions, and I was like, what I would like is for the 120 to be what we go with, you know, where she's opening the window in slow motion, the mothman goes by the window in slow motion. And it's like a 10 second shot. Um, And he, so like a week passed and he sent me the shot and it was like, it's gorgeous. Like Mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite effects moments in an STM movie. I think. Um, And so like that, uh, that's where we're at now is I feel like we can do things that before we would have had to hide. And then the Mm -hmm. other thing is we, we love Chris Scalf. Like we love the work he's, contributed, but one thing I've said before, and I said this to Santino a few weeks ago, in a lot of ways um, Chris made me, as a filmmaker, lazy because he's so good that I could say, do this and then I just go off and do something else and in the meantime, Chris is like putting together this crazy animated sequence. Mm -hmm. This movie doesn't have any traditional STM animation like people are used to. This is entirely... I would say almost every effect shot in this has some practicality to it. Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's any straight CG sequences Mm -hmm. in this entire movie. Um, So that I think in a lot of ways, it's got me, it's way more stressful because you, no matter what you can't rest on your laurels and just be like, well, I'm going to send this off to Santino to do, you've got to visually make every scene interesting. I guess like the, the, the perfect, Example, there's this scene that comes late in the movie, and I think it's actually the final recreation. It's Les O'Dell's scene, and I had a lot of ideas for how I wanted to approach that, and I also didn't have any crew because, like, we're <laughs> we're we're like working through a pandemic right now, and you're yeah. trying like not to have too many, too many people together at any given time. A lot of this movie the recreations have just been me with a camera and then whoever I'm putting in the scene. Mm-hmm. But the last scene, I thankfully had Aaron. So Aaron Gascon and me and then I'm the one on camera uh, in that <laughs> scene. So like we had to do our setups and then I would, I'd like get everything set up and then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go lay down or like whatever yeah. I'm doing in that scene. And he'd, he'd have to run the shot. I'd frame right. it and then hit record and then he would make sure everything worked out. Um, but that scene we had a lot of fun with. Cause I was like, I wanted to do. I wanted to play with light on that one. So like, we have the shot of like a shadow sitting up in bed. Instead of like actually seeing someone sit up in bed, you see their shadow mm-hmm. sit up in bed. And then you have like rain on the window. And but I I came up with ideas on that one that I sent off to Santino, and I was like, "Can you do this?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I was like, mm-hmm. "Okay, great," because like these are things where two years ago I don't think we could have done these. Even having Santino involved, I don't think two years ago he was at the point where he is now. So. It's just a different, I think from a filmmaking standpoint, it's a different set of rules we're playing by now. And I think it's going to d- dramatically change in some ways how people perceive STM. Cause I think people very much still sort of think of our movies as being these very interesting paranormal documentaries that have these really cool animated sequences. And those days are or like the animations over going forward. Um, you know, like Chris has gone on to other things and we've, we've kind of headed in another direction in terms of practical effects. I think what, I don't know what informed that. I know that I loved making Momo Mm -hmm. and having that like visual control over what is being put on screen. And Chris wasn't involved in Momo either. So technically this is the second documentary, but I think you'll see what I mean when I say like, this is a, in some ways this is a classic STM style doc, but without, the animation that's sort of defined classic STM style docs for the last three years. Yeah. And, you know, in listening to you talk about that, the net
2: effect is in what I've seen so far is that it grounds those recreations in the real world. Cause so much of it is a a practical effect. It's a real bedroom or house or location. And in one of the things that I sent to you, I think I used the word unsettling and that that might be why that was my reaction is that rather than it just being a a completely animated sequence, which you can kind of chalk up to like, well, that's a speculation or that's a dream. However you interpret that, Mm -hmm. this puts it in a bedroom, a real bedroom, you know, and, and with curtains and windows and stuff. And then you see something that fits right into that setting and you get a much better feel for what it might be like to have the experience yourself. So it's really exciting. It, yeah,
1: it, it really works. Yeah, it, I always go back. I really go back to Invasion a lot because the Invasion was one where I shot all the recreations, and it was ju- it was really just me shooting the recreations. Mm-hmm. And even though there was a lot of animation in that movie, I also remember that I had a blast on the shooting the sequences because there's a there's like a creativity that comes to you. In the moment, regardless of like your shot list or like even you know like Santino can do um, storyboards and and he loves to storyboard and he did storyboards for Bray Road Beast and we mm-hmm. followed those like almost explicitly like the the shots that are in the one that always comes to my mind is the shot of the Bray Road Beast eating the roadkill oh, Like he, yeah he did that storyboard mm-hmm. and that's in the movie just as he wrote it or drew it down but with invasion i would have a shot list and i'd show up and then like all these other ideas would come to me in the moment and we ended up with things like the shot of the tire spinning out in slow motion and oh, pulling yeah. out you know which feels very 1980s to yeah. me when i watch that or the shot of my dad very um as the mystery, the mystery man yeah. like those things were all like the framing of those scenes are really cool and i've always been fairly proud of how those scenes turned out Because it was, I know it was just like me and my dad and like me. And it's been that same experience, but it's on a different level. The crazy thing here is like, so the movie, I don't want to give away too much, but there's two very important bookending scenes to the movie. And, um, both times we shot them, it was like, it was just me as the crew. Um, And in those moments, you don't know if what you're doing is going to work at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, even like what I shot last night, you're that way. Um, And then you'll send Santino a shot and he'll send you back his reworking of it, you know, like where he's added the details. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the the ending scene specifically was shot day for night. So it's broad daylight. The lighting's ridiculous. I'm like, I don't, this is, there's no way. Mm -hmm. And you've seen the last shot. Like it totally works. Like Mm -hmm. it's a great... Great shot! It is, um, and it, you just don't in the moment like you can't tell, but because of the the fact that he his capabilities are where they are, mm-hmm. like he can elevate the whole thing. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the B roll on this one? Just to like, we shot this one is very specifically. We we added a lot of moving footage on this one, which we haven't done. This is our first time working with sliders. I think we've learned a lot uh, <laughs> this time around, um, but the. Yeah, it's it's been a different experience from any of the B roll, and we're also shooting black magics, and then we're shooting um, with the the Soviet lenses. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
2: it captures West Virginia really well. Mm-hmm. And I know you know there's things you can't control, and I like the fact that there are some rain shots. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. not every not every B roll shot is like the beautiful, beautiful sunny day. Yeah. And that adds to it, I think, rather than detracts. Um, and you've got like uh, the you know, well, what's the big bridge? I'm blanking on. Oh, name. Uh, New
1: River Gorge. Yeah,
2: New River Gorge yeah. is in there. I mean, it just it, it, again, it, it takes you because it's so concerned with Appalachian in general. Mm-hmm. You you really get a feel for what it's like to be there. Yeah, which is that's the
1: goal. That's mm-hmm. always the goal, and I think with this one, it is. It is interesting. I was, what I really wanted to do was capture that same sense of geography that terror has, but I rewatched terror the other day. And I was like, you can't, you won't do that because terror is told in such a specific way with well, the story is going South to North that that movie is literally about the geography. Mm-hmm. And this is not necessarily about that geography. Right. It's um, but at the same time, I, I, I was happy with how, with how we were able to capture so much of the state. Cause we really did. Like we yeah. were all over that place. Um, and the other thing I'm really happy with is like the shots at the end, um, where you get into Point Pleasant at night, and we, we those lenses pick up these really cool lens artifacts. You get a lot of like weird artifacts and stuff that you might not even notice until you see it in a much higher resolution. Because the other things you've been really really watching okay. low like, res cuts, yeah. But there's some really interesting things those lenses, especially the wider versions, do with the um with the with the edges of the screen where everything starts to bend which is mm-hmm. really interesting to see. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a, uh, I finished last night. So this would have been, th- there's only two things I still have to shoot. And they're nothing major. It's just, two, I, I had to shoot a, two shots of a Polaroid. Um, But there's, the, so last night was technically the wrap, like the point where I've hit. And I had, mm-hmm. and I had a very visceral emotional reaction. I put, cause I had my nieces and now I had Dixie and, rough with me Mm -hmm. and Tommy with me and then Adrian and I had just finished putting all the kids in the car and I was the only one outside the car. And I almost started crying. Like I was like, because we started filming it in December. Yeah. And if you think about it, the world was in a different place. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was a different crew. Mm -hmm. It was me. It's the crew at the beginning was me, Zach, Jason, Luke. And the crew at the end is me, Aaron and Zach. Yeah. And like that's that was, the movie just started and ended with a completely different cast of characters involved mm-hmm. in the making of it. Yeah, um, and just uh, just thinking about like in that moment, for some reason, I just had like a lot of sh- memory shoot through my mind about mm-hmm. everything that's happened. What you know, over the, the course of making the movie, right? So, Probably more than any other. Yeah, would, project. Wouldn't it? Yeah, be? I would think so. And also, just like. It feels like we've been working on this for a much longer period of time than normal. And I think we have, I don't normally, we wouldn't have been spending this much time on it. And what's funny about that is it isn't necessarily because of the virus. It is in a way, but we, the release dates were so messed up for this year because we were holding this for release at the Mothman festival. Yeah, Right. Um, So when the, you know, when the Mothman festival, by the way, listeners, the Mothman festival going under for this year, for a lot of vendors that you probably are fans of, like support the, the vendors that you normally support at the Mothman festival, um, like pickled punks and all those people, because I, I, that, that, that event offers a, a, a pretty good chunk of change for a lot of the, the like independent paranormal, like arts and crafts people that you Mm -hmm. probably buy from there. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Like basically it just is a different schedule than normal. We, we started shooting almost six over six months ago. So like that is very unusual for us to still be filming something six months later Mm -hmm. uh, that isn't like an on the trail of, right? So, um, So, yeah, you just feel like, I guess I feel more married to the film than I do normally, Mm -hmm. which is funny because that probably also helps explain why I'm kind of over it. Like I've reached, I normally don't reach the over it phase till the last like two weeks when we're really into the details work and we still have five weeks and I'm like ready to move on. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just because I'm, this is where, I also wonder if I'll have the typical depression because i think i've talked before about how like when we wrap a project i have a horrible yeah like depression Mm um momo was like man i I mean it was like being punched punched in the gut Mm -hmm. every day uh for like two weeks until i got over it uh but this time around we're going right into filming two other projects so i'm Mm -hmm. wondering if like i'll even have time for any kind of right emotional yeah. reflection. I don't think I will. I Maybe think not. I, I think I've got to go right into
2: be too busy. Yeah.
1: Going right into bell. So yeah, the uh, I'm excited for people to see the movie. There's going to be a bigger trailer coming out, uh, but probably not more, uh, probably not for another few months. It'll come out closer to the final release of the movie. Um, and I'm sure we'll do a couple more shows where we talk about it. Maybe even try Like I, I think one thing that we should try to do as the show has become more and more about STM um, is get, maybe try to get a couple of the people that are in the movie on the show and oh, stuff. Yeah. So um, it is also, you know, it's Jeff and Ashley's story more than anything. I mean, it's, they're kind of behind the title. And um, so I'm excited. I'd, I'd like to, I'm, I'm excited to show them the movie and then have them on. Like, I'd like to have them on at some point after, yeah. after they've actually seen the movie too. So, um, we're leaving Monday morning mm-hmm. for uh, New York and another location <laughs>
0: undisclosed.
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, if the plan would be, I'll have my laptop. So the plan would be to, to record some sort of episode next week uh, for you guys and release it hopefully while we're still on the road, but there is no guarantee we'll manage to make that happen. And we'd like to try to do it, but we're also doing a heck of a lot of camping um, and, <laughs> and we won't really have a ton of time in hotels and stuff. I think two nights of the, of the six or five, five nights will be hotel bound. So, um, you can leave us a rating review on iTunes, Google play, uh, monsteropolis mail at gmail.com. We're on social media. Is there anything else we wanted to say? It's nice to be back in the same room. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's refreshing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's it for now. You can send us mail, though. We want mail. We love reading mail on the show. Uh, That's it. All right. All right. Goodbye.
0: Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth.